What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Chatted Up Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Shooter, bringing you interviews, news, and reviews about all things Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I've got a really special episode for you guys this week that I'm super excited about, so we'll jump right into it here and start it off with This Day in Uper History, which is brought to you by the good folks at Pasty.com. That's P-A-S-T-Y dot com and the Pasty Central Facebook page. They did not have one for November 12th, so we're going to use November 13th. So here is November 13th, this day in Uper history. Pasty Central Day in History, November 13th. On this day in 1995, one of the earliest Upper Michigan sites to appear on the new World Wide Web began daily updates of snowfall reports from the Keweenaw Peninsula. Built and maintained by the Keweenaw County Road Commission, the giant snow thermometer on US-41 between Calumet and Copper Harbor was the subject of this web page, created earlier in the year on a site that predates eBay, MSN, Facebook, and even Google. By the end of that first winter on the web, the UP's iconic snow thermometer found its permanent address at pasty.com. With a record of almost 400 inches one winter, that first day of coverage in 95 saw only a trace of snowfall compared to more than 30 inches to date in the current season. Pasty Central Day in History, November 13th. Another huge thank you to the folks over at pasty.com and the Pasty Central Facebook page for making that segment possible. Normally, I would say it's time for this week's interview, but this episode, we're going to do things a little differently, and that's because it is my favorite time of year, which is hunting season. Uh, Of all the feedback that I've gotten from you guys, as far as favorite episodes go, the hands-down favorite has been uh, the hunting stories from season one. So I decided I wanted to try and recreate that magic a little bit, but obviously I had to do something a little different, so... Uh, what I decided to do was I set up a hotline where people could call in and tell me their hunting stories by leaving a voicemail message. And let me tell you, I've got some great stories here that I'm super excited to share with you. Um, the first one comes from my Uncle Stu, uh, Stuart Sunholm. Now, Uncle Stu is the quintessential Uper woodsman and huntsman. Uh, he was a logger by trade. Uh, in fact, if you watch new episodes of uh, Hardcore Pursuit, the Uper Hunting Show, uh, the opening credits, there's a, a logger in those scenes, and that uh, that's my Uncle Stu. So uh, he's got a lot of stories to tell from spending a lot of time in the woods, and thankfully he was willing to share a few of those with me. Uh, so here is Uncle Stu's first hunting story. Hey, Scott, it's your Uncle Stu from Felch, Michigan. A good story I can remember is it occurred back in 1986, I believe it was. And I was in two different buck pools that year, one with the Sigler family. They had a prize for the first buck and one for the biggest buck. The other buck pool was with the Matson family. They had a prize for the biggest buck and for the smallest buck. So I'm out hunting on the first day, and I've got this buck that comes in. And I watched him all day, and he was really, really little. And I was in doubt even if he was legal or not. I looked him over all day, and I was, yes, he's legal. No, he's not. Yes, he's legal. No, he's not. 
Finally, at the end of the day, I thought, you know, he's, I'm pretty darn sure he's legal. Well, I went in that night and went to the Sigler camp, and nobody had gotten a buck on the first day, which was kind of unusual. And I started thinking about that deer, and I'm thinking, you know, with those two buck pulls, if I shoot him right away in the morning, I'm sure I'm going to get the first buck, and then nobody in the Matson family is going to shoot one any smaller than that darn thing, and I'll get the prize for the smallest buck. And I'm thinking, man, he's worth about 75 bucks. So I thought the next morning, I'm going to put him down. Sure enough, the next morning he comes in there, and it's 7.30. I look him over, and I said, well, I'll put him on the ground, which I did. And I went down there, and he was even littler than I thought. But I had brought a little tape with me, a pocket tape, and I put the measure on him, and he was legal on one side. He had a three-inch horn and a two-and-three-quarter-inch horn. And uh, I was a little embarrassed, but I cleaned him up, tagged him up, brought him out, and hung him up in the garage. And uh, I went in the house, and Brad was like four years old at the time. And I said, come on, you got to take a look at Daddy's buck. So I brought him out in the garage, and he looks at the thing and goes, yeah, that's kind of like a buck. <laughs> so to this day... That's always been known as the kind of like a buck. Thank you, Uncle Stu, for sending in that uh, funny buck story. Um, talk about a blast from the past. I have not heard anybody mention uh, a buck pool in quite some time. Uh, I don't know if it's just because deer are harder to come by or there's less hunters or what the scoop is. Um, you know, I know at our camp the deer are harder to come by or have been, so there probably wouldn't be much of a pool, but that's definitely a, a fun and interesting way to kind of up the ante on your hunting season. Um, Uncle Stu actually texted me after the fact, and he said, hey, I think I actually forgot the uh, best part of that story. He said, uh, I didn't win either pool with that buck. He said, one of the Siglers shot a buck at 7.15 that morning, and uh, Craig Matson shot a buck with a three-inch horn and a two-and-a-half-inch horn. So here he thought he had a winner in both pools, and uh, he didn't win either of them. So de definitely a, a, a funny story. Um, our next bucktail comes uh, from a guest of the podcast, actually, and that's Stephen Hooper. Uh, Stephen is on this season of the podcast. He's the creator of the uh, Pasty Potato uh, news satire site. So here is uh, Stephen's buck story. Yeah, hey, this is uh, Steve Hooper from over there in Nagani or that. Hi, Scott. Steve Hooper uh Nagani. I hunt out uh, in the Witch Lake area, Camp Prusy. My uh, brother-in-law, my father-in-law, family friend. Uh, my best buck story is actually my first buck. Uh, I haven't been hunting very long, even though I born and raised in the UP. First year I went hunting was 2016. First deer I shot was 2017. Um, I had bought a brand new uh, Savage 30-06 uh, for my first gun. I got, uh, you know, Hornady American Whitetail ammo. Uh, you know, thought I was going to go kind of top of the line. Well, I, uh, I had seen a, uh, a spike horn come in a few times, and you know, even though I had never shot a deer, I didn't necessarily want to want to shoot a spike. I I uh, I wasn't that you know dead set on on getting one. But uh, I had seen this deer a few times. And I let it go, let it go. Saw a lot of does that year. 
Uh, not a lot of big bucks. Um, anyway, toward the end of the season, I think it was the day before Thanksgiving 2017, I, uh, I was about to head back into town for a few days for the Thanksgiving holiday, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to go hunt and sit over at my father-in-law's spot, because he had been hunting there, hadn't seen any deer, had gone back into town for the holidays. So I'm going to go back out and hunt the evening and uh, see what happens at his spot, which was only about a mile from mine. Well, sure enough, this spike horn comes back in. So I said, you know what, this is like the third time I've seen him in the last week. Uh, you know, it's getting to be the end of the season. I've never shot a deer before. You know what, and venison in the freezer, the venison in the freezer. So I said, I want to take the shot, right? This is the first deer I've ever shot. Well, I had my uh, had my rifle all set, had him in my scope. He wasn't very far away, maybe 35 yards. Go to pull the trigger, and the gun just clicks on me. I said, that's strange. So I, uh, I ejected the shell. I saw there was kind of an imprint on the back of it. Tried again. Gun goes click. And at this point, the, the spike horn's kind of looking at me in my direction. Well, sure enough, that happens with the rest of my shells, uh, out of shells. So I'm sitting there. I text my brother-in-law, who's hunting about a mile away in the other direction. I said, hey, I just had this deer come in, tried to shoot it. Gun uh, gun went fire. It's a brand-new gun. The only time it had ever been shot was uh, the sight in the scope a few weeks before. Four shells, put a dent in the back of them, didn't fire, so... He came over with his 270, and he sat with me for a couple hours before dark. And sure enough, the, the spike horn came back, and I shot my first buck with the borrowed rifle. Thanks, Stephen, for calling in and sharing that story. Um, I, I guess I should knock on wood when I say this, but I, I've never had an issue with a gun misfiring uh, like like in his story. Um, but. I, I can't imagine that happening, and uh, I gotta also say major kudos to your brother-in-law uh, for coming in and sitting with you and letting you use his gun, because I, I gotta say, if I was in his shoes, I don't think I would have been uh, as helpful to you. I'd have probably uh, said, sorry, bud, better luck next year. <laughs> but uh, either way, definitely a cool story for you, especially for uh, for your first box, so... All right, uh, our next hunting story, we're going back to Uncle Stu. Uh, so Uncle Stu's got a story here actually uh, about uh, uh, his son, my cousin Brad, uh, who's a couple years older than I am. So uh, here is Uncle Stu's next buck story. Well, let's go back to Brad embarrassing me by saying that's kind of like a buck. Well, let's fast forward, and Brad was 12 years old, and he wanted to bow hunt. So I bought him a bow, and he was practicing and got to be pretty doggone good. In fact, he's one of the best archers I know, and he's got the trophy to prove it. So I agreed to let him go, and he wanted to do it by himself. So I set him up in a stand, and I told him, you got to shoot the first deer that walks in. Well, in comes this little buck, and I mean it's little. It's got like two-inch horns and a little point sticking out on one side. And he shoots this buck, and he calls him his three-pointer. So I took the thing home, proud as heck, hung the thing up, and 
after we processed the deer up, I took the doggone horns and I cut them off, and it was just a really thin little piece that I shaved off the skull. And I, uh, I kept the doggone thing. I threw it in the garage. We built a new house in 2007, and I found that thing when we were cleaning things out, and I brought it up here. And fast forward now to 2012, I think it was, and Brad calls and he says, man, I need a new pair of binoculars. So I thought, hmm, I'm going to get them back here in a little bit. And I said, I'll order you a pair and send them down to you. So I got the pair from Cabela's and opened the box, and I stuck that little tiny rack in that box. And I told him, here's your buck. Stick it in your wallet and bring it to work so you can show the guys. Needless to say, I got a phone call as soon as they arrived. From that point on, that's always been called the wallet buck because I literally think I could have stuck it in my wallet and closed it and stuck it in my pocket. That's how small it was. Thank you again, Uncle Stu, for sharing that uh, funny story. Uh, in my opinion, the the best buck stories are always one that give you a good laugh or a good chuckle, and that uh, certainly fits into that category. So, uh, Our next buck story here uh, comes from Chip LeClaire from over in Lance, and he's got a quite the quite the bucktail to tell. Uh, so here is uh, his buck story. Yeah, Chip LeClaire from Lawrence, Michigan. I was hunting out at the mouth of the Big Huron in Berga County and sitting by a swamp crossing, uh, you know, trail going through there, and a doe came out and was in heat, and I saw antlers move back in the swamp about 20 yards. And the buck wouldn't come out, and it was a nice ten-pointer. And the doe kept prancing around and eating, and so finally I saw the buck's head and neck and shoulder. So I took a shot, and I shot through a tag alder, and I aimed for behind the shoulder, and the deer had dropped straight in his tracks. And I went down there looking for it after the shot, and I saw the deer had dropped, and it was right there. And I turned around, and I saw a bullet hole exit through the tag alder, and I was, who in the heck's been hunting here, shooting down, you know, on my runway? And then I realized it was, me, I had shot through the tag alder, and instead of behind the front shoulder, I hit the deer right behind the ear, and that's why it dropped in its tracks because the bullet got deflected going through the tag alder. So I put, I cut the tag alder down and put a three foot piece of it with the bullet hole in it on the antler rack on my plaque there for display. So, Lucky shot, thought someone else was there, but it was me. Thank you, Chip, for calling in and sharing that story. Talk about a a one in a million shot and also really, really cool that you were able to to cut the tree uh, that you shot the hole through and and use it as part of your uh, your mount. It's got to look really, really cool up on the wall and 
you definitely now have uh, the story of a lifetime to go with it. So thank you again for, for calling in and sharing that. Uh, our next story here, we're once again going back to Uncle Stu. Uh, I told you guys he's got a lot of bucktails. Uh, this one uh, actually includes my other uncle, my Uncle Kevin's son home. Uh, Kevin and Stuart are brothers. And uh, this tale takes us up into the woods of Canada. So here is uh, Uncle Stu's third and final buck story. Well, just happened to be thinking about one time when uh, your Uncle Kevin and I were hunting in Canada. And we'd hunted up there for quite a few years. And one year I had killed a real nice buck already, and Kevin wasn't having much luck. So we decided that night, we had one day left, and we decided to try a spot that we had used uh, a few years before, and it was on our way home anyway, so we decided to try there. We left really early in the morning, drove about 100 miles to this spot, and I put Kevin on a spot on this power line overlooking the marsh. And I went down the power line in the other direction with the truck, and I was about a mile, we were about a mile apart. Well, it's just barely getting light. And let me tell you, it is legal to buddy hunt in Canada. And, uh, as long as you're in communication distance. And we had our radios like we always did. And it's just barely breaking light. And Kevin calls and he says, you're not going to believe this. He said, I got two bucks down in front of me and they're fighting. He said, it's just barely light and I can't really tell how big they are. And I said, well, whack one of them when it gets light. Well, he said, they don't really look that big. He said they were maybe 14, 15 inches, about like we can shoot here at home. So I told him that, and he said, nah, he said, we don't want to do that. He said, we can't, we didn't come here for that. So lo and behold, he calls me again. He says, one just walked away, and here comes another one. And that buck started tangling with the first one, and they tangled for a while until one of them won, walked away. The other one walked away, and a third buck came to fight with that one. And they fought for a little while, and we're talking on the radio the whole time, and all of a sudden he goes, oh, my God, oh, my God, i got to let you go. There's a big shooter coming over the hill. There was a couple of hills between he and I, and this big nine-point buck, 20 inches wide, inside spread, comes walking over the hill with his ears back and head lowered to teach the other ones a lesson. And Kev put that buck down at 325 yards away. Wow. I hurried down there to help him. And we're standing there looking over at that buck, and I said, now what do we do? Because the guys we were with that had the four-wheeler had already gone back to Michigan. (laughs) There we are, about a mile and a half from the truck, and I'm going, wow. Well, we always have our packs with that we pack meat out with in Colorado, just in case of a situation like that. So Kim went to get the packs, and I started cutting the deer up. So we cut that deer up right there on the spot, and I caped it, and we hauled it out and hauled it back to Michigan. And right now it's in his man cave in the basement, and it's a beauty. Thanks, Scott. See ya. One last final thank you to uh, my Uncle Stu for sharing some awesome hunting stories with us. Uh, I'm sure he's got a lot more. He could probably tell hunting stories for days, but I definitely appreciate him uh, calling in and sharing a, a few of the ones that really stand out to him. So. Uh, This final hunting story that I'm going to share is actually from my last episode with Bo Anderson. Uh, Bo is the president of Orion Hunting Products, which is located right here in Iron Mountain, Michigan. 
And uh, the reason why I want to share this one again is because uh, I want to call to everybody's attention that uh, Orion Hunting Products is currently in the final round uh, for being one of the coolest things made in Michigan. Um, And that's voted on by folks like you and I. So, you know, after you listen to this story, if you could, please look up Orion Hunting Products on social media, and they should have stuff on their sites directing you on how to vote. Um, So please go there and uh, help them out. They're a really awesome company uh, making a really cool product right here in the UP. So here is uh, Bo Anderson's hunting story. This would be a good warm-up because it comes up every year at our camp, right? Yeah. I was... uh... And uh, I was not a, a successful hunter for many, many years. I, I blame, you know, my uncles and my dads for putting me in bad spots for a while. But um, <laughs> I did not shoot. I was a buckless shooter. I was buckless for 10 years. So for, for the first 10 years, I was 14 until I was like 24. I, I, didn't shoot a, I didn't shoot a buck. And probably partially because I was picky and partially, I'd, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. But um, one of, the, one of the, the stories that comes up every year um, I think I may have been 15, 14, 15, 16, right around that age. And I was the youngest hunter at the time. So at our camp, the youngest hunter always had to hunt nearest the camp. Right. And and we have a little camp on the edge of a swamp and there's a probably 10 acre field that follows the edge of the swamp. And then my blind was, you know, a couple hundred yards away from camp. And I'm looking into the swamp and I'm looking at the field between camp and the blind. I'm hunting out there and it's a morning hunt. It must've been second or third day. And I'm out there and it's starting to get daylight, you know, and, and your mind goes and you're, you're growing antlers on every twig and every stump. Right. And as a right. <laughs> 15, 16 year old, you're trying to, our camp is a great culture for putting stuff on the wall, right? Like, Oh, your, my uncle's got his spot on the wall for, you gotta be eight pointer better. And my cousin's yeah. got his, my dad's my grandpa. And you know, it's very generational. Right. So I hadn't put a buck on the wall yet. Right. So for us, the goal is buck on the wall. And so you're growing animals and everything and nothing, nothing, nothing. And it's like nine 30 and we're not all day hunters, especially in <laughs> rifle season. Right. We're very uber hunters, you know, breakfast, you know, when of age is a bloody Mary on opening morning at you know, yeah. 9.30, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right about so, 10 at nine 30, 10 o'clock you head in for breakfast. Yeah. yeah. You're not coming in at one. You're not packing a sandwich in our, at least at our camp. Right. So pretty, socially laid back hunting laid back but you got to get up right grandpa made sure right. you got boot in your boot in your sleeping bag you don't kill something unless you're in the stand so 9 30 comes around i hear you know and my uncle or my dad at camp boom breakfast is ready you know it's 200 yards away but you know it's across yeah. the field so i hear the call in coming for breakfast right and uh so i'm like right, i'll pack my stuff up grab my 270 and you know i, I walked down it was in one of these elevated stands my dad had built and I go down to check the bait pile, right? I'm walking. The bait pile time is maybe like 75 yards away. And there's it's it's a cut into a cedar swamp. So it's pretty sure. thick everywhere. And I get I walk maybe 30 yards and then I see this thing. I'm like, whoa. And I stop, I freeze. <laughs> and there's this buck bedded down right in front of this tree, right in front of my bed my bait pile. I'm like, how did I not see this thing? Right. So I'm like, I get you know, I get the gun up and Correct. And then, you know, the, the, the shot goes off and I'm watching and the deer doesn't move at all. And I'm watching it and I get a bit closer and I realize I've been had. Okay. My uncle had shot a doe. We took some antlers off the wall. My other oh, uncle no. took antlers <laughs> off the wall. 
they caped the dough so that they had the head of the dough and the body kind of bundled up over a pumpkin. And I blasted that thing. They say I shot twice, but I, I, I only recall me shooting once before I realized what had happened. So no sooner did that first shot go off, I realized that this thing's got, you know, twine. It's not even done well, right? It's like a couple of drywall screws and some twine wrapped around this thing's head. And I realized I've been had, I'm, oh my gosh. All of a sudden, I, 200 yards away, I can hear everyone in camp comes out. And, oh, did you get him? Oh, you shot him. You got him. How many shots did it take? You know, this oh. is me, right? So I here I am. I got to tuck my tail, and I got to walk across this field all the way back. And they're rolling on the ground laughing at me, right? That's <laughs> good. That's good. So that, uh, that story comes up every year. One of the greats from, you know, a youthful hunter that, uh, you know, got duped by. Duped that is by classic. Them. Absolutely classic. Okay, that's my uh, last buck story here for the episode. Um, Before I wrap things up, I just want to wish all of you hunters out there good luck. Um, If you're a bow hunter, obviously here in Michigan you have a few more days where you can try and bag one before uh, all the rifle hunters get in the woods. Uh, But either way, uh, I hope that everybody has a a great deer season. Uh, You know, it's an awesome time to be in the woods and it's a lot of camaraderie and a lot of tradition and you know it's just it's special so uh, you know and speaking of that you know between the tradition and the camaraderie and getting the guys together um, I would just ask all of you to please be careful Um, I mean if you look anywhere in the news you see that COVID is running crazy through the UP right now Uh, and I think I saw this morning there's only a handful of adult ICU beds that are even left open currently in the UP Um, so you know, I know it's tough. Um, you don't want to break tradition and, you know, I'll be the first to admit uh, for the first time in, in my life, I'm, I'm not going to deer camp. Um, you know, I'm fortunate enough that my, where I hunt is only 10 or 15 minutes away from my house. Um, so I'm still able to, to get out and hunt every single day. Um, but uh, I'm just, I'm not staying up, up at camp with the guys because I, I just, you know, I want to be careful and be cautious uh, for my loved ones that I have that are considered high risk. So, you know, it's not an easy decision to make. Uh, I'll be honest about that too. Is one of the tougher calls I've ever had to make. Um, but um, sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and hopefully it's only for just this year and things are better next year. But um just be careful out there and and like i said enjoy the woods and enjoy this time of year so okay a little housekeeping uh per usual um i want to hear your feedback and your comments uh you can email me at chattedupod at gmail.com otherwise you can find me on social media uh facebook twitter instagram youtube just type in the chatted up podcast and you should be able to find me other than that i am your host shooter reminding you to shoot straight, keep your chin up, and your eyes forward.